<laughs> she definitely dominated. I don't even know when it comes to Grace Jones because I feel like she is the originator of, uh, of um, oh, look now, the word is going, oh, as, you know what I want to say. <laughs> um, uh, gender nonconformism. Uh, she's the originator of gender nonconformism. I feel like every time I say Grace Jones, I don't want to assign a gender to her at all. Uh, but she is the really at the forefront of the Studio 54 movement. And at one point in time, actually earning the title of being the queen of the gay disco. Absolutely love, love, love Grace Jones. Released a memoir just a few short years ago called uh, I'll Never Write My Memoirs on Paperback. <laughs> And that is the opening song, Slave to the Rhythm, as provided by this morning's guest presenter, Lynn Joffe, who's the founder of, uh, uh, is it Creatix? Creatix. Creatrix. It's a female creator. Oh, I didn't know we had our own fabulous title. Yes, we do. I learn everything. (laughs) Well, I learn something new every single day. So Creatrix. All right, content agency and author. How are you doing, Miss Lynn Joffe? I am doing fantastically. Bridget, how are you doing? I am fabulous. Well, now that I know that I'm a creatrix, lovely. You are. (laughs) We are all creatrixes. I think it goes into sort of um, grammar that we never learned at school, but it it, it sort of initiates out of some sort of Latin. Oh. So you've got a dominatrix, which obviously wouldn't have gone down well. (laughs) Yes. Um, But um, I'm a girl, I'm a woman, and I create. So... And, and my team of, of beautiful young women are also creatrixes. So it's a kind of title and and a kind of orientation to the world. Yes. Oh, yeah. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, Lynn Jaffe joins me this morning as our guest presenter. Um, I'd, I'd love to know, you know, just growing up, you have... Such an incredible story. <laughs> you, you've lived everywhere. You've done everything. And this is absolutely no joke at all. Um, and you can, you can tell the, the creativity. It really runs through every inch of your body. And it just comes out in the most incredible ways. Uh, take us back to the beginning. Growing up oh, gosh. in all these different parts. Yeah. So, so my parents were born here in South Africa. Mm. And then it was late 50s and, you know, we, don't, we know the history. And my father wanted to be a TV director or a film director. So he went on honeymoon with my mother never to return. Okay. Hence, I was born in England. Then we went to live in Scotland. Then we went to Australia, came back to England, la, la, la. Then the, there was a divorce. We came back. So grandfather brought the children back with my mother. All right. And then she married an American. So off we all went to America <laughs> and back and forth and back and forth. And there was a, there was a time. So I'm, I'm a, almost a typical African child. My grandparents eventually raised me mm-hmm. because, I, I mean, where do you go when your mother is this globetrotter? And um, got married very, very early. Who knows why? But I thought I was escaping the grandparents. It didn't really work out that way. And then I... Went overseas after the divorce for two years when I did my real traveling. I just bungee jumped over the edge of the world, Bridget. I mean, mm. Whatever came my way, there's someone up there watching me. And then I came back to South Africa just before Nelson was released. Wow. Which I thought was a personal gift. You know, it was almost personal and universal and cultural. And so I committed. You know, I had a green card, a mm. British passport. I could go anywhere. And so I chose to remain, if you would call it that. There was, there was, 
love interest, <laughs> which I didn't know if there was. In fact, he's standing here beside me now after 35 <laughs> years. Um, so so I've, I came back and became a South African, you could say. I, I always believed that Nelson Mandela gave me the right to be a South African, even though I wasn't born here. Yeah. And so now I'm kind of a global, a global nomad who has chosen to live here in the country no matter what happens. You know, a lot, a lot of people of my tribe, because you know, I'm a Jewish person, you know, a lot of people, <laughs> it, it's a very nomadic tribal thing. And then you go and then the next generation is in Australia and the next one is in England. Mm. But I have, I, I'm here. I'm going to switch the lights off <laughs> with you, Bridget. <laughs> You know what I love, Lynn? I mean, from the little that we, we, we know about your life that you've shared with us just now, it really is as though um, your life is a series of yes. When when oh, the I universe presents you with things and, and it seems like it's something that, you know, from birth, it's just been a yes. I'll, I'll, I'll just go with it. I'll flow with it. You know, it, 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 there is a very positive side to it, yes. But it also comes out of, if you want to call it, the trauma of childhood. How do mm. you survive in a family that is always moving parents who are ambitious enough to, in a sense, be the children in the family? Mm. And so I was, as the older child, was always the responsible kid and, and you know, doing the, the right thing. And then I think after the, the marriage in my early 30s, 20s, mm. I just thought, I can't swear on radio bugger that <laughs> let's have so let's get some real life experience but yes i think i think that i think that uh, suffer, i wouldn't say suffering but actually going through a life where things do not always go your way what is your orientation do you stand up um we always say at, at creatrix we, we, when we fall we fall on our knees we don't fall mm. on our faces mm. so so adversity in a way does create you, you, you know what you are. You know, a lot of the time in South Africa, I speak to young women and old women all the time. It's like, what is your opinion of this? Mm. Say what it is that you have to say. Go out there and have a standpoint, mm. which apparently psychologically a standpoint normally comes from one's father. Mm. And oh. so because I didn't kind of, uh, my grandfather took over my mothering, mm. put it mm. that way. Mm. And so I want women to have opinions, you know, backed by facts and and, and life experience. So I kind of I inadvertently became a role model. It wasn't an intention. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just living my life. And, and now with, with so Creatrix only employs women. We do work well with men. <laughs> but my, 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 my kind of what, what became my quest in a way was to, was to uplift, was to empower. My, 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 the women who work for me are now my directors, mm. which is an interesting turn of events. Um, and that was what gave me, once the business was established, and it took years for mm. that to happen, it gave me the space to, to, to do, I suppose, what was my life's work, which was to write the novel and to, and to take my creativity to my real heart yeah. space, which was as an author. Speaking of Creatrix uh, uh, Content Agency, tell me a bit about the company. And I mean, we've gathered that, mm. you know, you have chosen deliberately and outrightly so to be all about women. Um, but yes, mm. give us a little bit of an overview. Okay, so, uh, oh, Bridget, I hope we've got hours to speak. Um, <laughs> well, we've got about three minutes. <laughs> yeah, okay, three minutes. I'll do the tweet version. So, <laughs> I have always, my only real skill was wordy and musicy. Mm. So, I wasn't good at math, I wasn't good at history, I was in the apartheid era of school where I was the rebel. But when I came out of school, the thing that back then was that you could be a secretary or a teacher 
all had babies when you were 20. Yes. And so I was forced into secretarial school and to type la la la, started free, wasn't called temping, they called it temping. And while I was temping, I, I had to temp in an ad agency. I didn't know what they were, no one had told me. And I saw this word copy, copy, copy. What is this copy of which you speak? And I realized it was the people who wrote the words for the ads. So I sort of dissed the secretarial side of things and became a junior, very junior copywriter. And so over all the years, my, my writing skills, if you like, have been honed into really you know, snappy little headlines and great positioning statements. So I moved from being a copywriter in lots of agencies to seeing, then I saw, then I walked into numerous nerves. I walked into a radio studio for the first time. I thought, this is the religion <laughs> that I've been missing all my life. Lynn, and can, so, can I be mm, so rude to hold please. you right there? You walked into a radio station and you thought, hold that thought and we'll be right back. Tweet at SFM Radio and at Bridget Masinga. We are hanging out with Lynn, who's the founder of uh, Creatrix Content Agency and author. And just before we took that quick break, uh, Lynn had literally had seen the word copy. It had orbited her existence at the ad agency. And then she was thinking, what is this copy? What is this copy? Lynn, over to you. Okay, so so just the, the, okay, so the second part of the tweet was I went from being a copywriter <laughs> to being a producer. I then saw the gap at that time for what I would call mother tongue content because mm. all they used to do was be to translate the English into, you know, meaningless cultural activity. Mm. And so I took the work that nobody wanted in a way because um, that's kind of, I, I, because I have a view from the outside because I wasn't born here. Yeah. I don't have the prejudice. I don't have the, the unconscious racism, if I may say. Yeah. So, I, so I became that girl. I became the, the soap peel, if you like, uh, between what was at that point the mother tongue world, which was, wasn't even regarded, and being able to do good, meaningful, culturally resonant work, which of course then meant I worked with people who had come from that place. Mm -hmm. And so I then became kind of maverick. Um, Reg Lascaris running around the agency during the election saying, I need a black copywriter, I need a black copywriter. <laughs> and I'm like, Reg, there's been nobody trained, we've been in Partage for 40 years, I'm as black as you're going to get. <laughs> and so, so I, I began kind of the journey of seeing where the two strands of, of, of what we had inherited had happened in the industry. Mm. And then I started, the, when I started the business, I worked with young black women who, who, who I could raise to, not who I could raise, who could raise themselves through the opportunities to being outstanding producers. Of my, my writer is one of the best writers in the whole world, I keep telling her. Mm. And, so, and so in a way, creatives evolved out of the, the need to communicate in mother tongue on our terms, on our turf, on, in our lingo is, is our little payoff line. <laughs> so we've been, and, and, our, and our strength, our superpower, was radio and radio dramas mm. and being able to interrogate the good that would, you know, these days all brands have to, you know, do brand love and stuff like that. But we always kind of had it with the integrity of the way we work and the work that we present. So we have had, you know, 11 language, mother tongue, drama series Mm. For the last 20 years or so, wow. um, my, my granny would always say, where can I hear you? And I would say, oh, because the FM grant. <laughs> in the main, I would then do the backing vocals for the jingle and they'd remove me and, you know, put Margaret Masefe back in. So I've, I, and because I have a musical background as well, 
and because I, I, I spent many years in the ghetto of Yeovil with my band. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've actually kind of got a, 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 you call it a perspective on the, 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 the poorest of the poor, the richest of the rich, um, and, and respect for, for humanity, if you like. And Ubuntu, which is, you know, it's a bad word these days, but mm. it is an Ubuntu that comes from the heart. And it doesn't exclude men. It's just that women needed a bit of a leg up. And, and I love girls, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, Lynn. Uh, before we get to, to our next uh, sports bulletin, uh, as we uh, intro your songs, we did ask you to select some songs and some mm. books for us this morning. Your next song is Without You by Harry Nilsson. Why this particular jam? I have, you know, it, it, when you said to me, give me three of your favorite songs, I mean, choose from a million. When I was a kid in London, okay, so the divorce was happening and everything was horrible, and I was earning pocket money by basically running the household when I was 11. Yes. And my first paycheck, if you like, my first pocket money, I went to W.H. Smith and I bought Nielsen Schmielsen. It was the first album I ever bought. Uh-huh. And the, the overdubs, you know, the, the, the yes. actual Nielsen. Oh, I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. And it's actually, and then Mariah Carey, I said to you, please don't do the Mariah Carey. You're not going to do the Mariah Carey one, right? No, please. no. <laughs> okay. not, nothing's got nothing against Mariah, but Harry Nilsson, it's, it's one of the most magnificent, multi-layered. It, it's also got the emotion in it, obviously, and the, and the meaning, but the way it was produced was unbelievable. There so that's you have- my, it was my very first record I ever bought. There you have it. Harry Nilsson <laughs> without you. Fantastic. No, I can't forget this evening Or your face as you were leaving But I guess that's just the way the story goes You always smile, but in your eyes Your sorrow shows Yes, it shows The Jet Set Breakfast, 7 to 10 a.m. You gotta love radio, right? Oh, man. You know, sometimes I wish we could go live, like with in-studio cameras, so people could have a proper feel for the radio environment and the atmosphere that happens here. So one of the worst things that could ever happen to a radio broadcaster is to suddenly have a bout of sneezes just before that red light goes on. <laughs> and try as you may to like hold the sneezes back. They just keep coming. Uh, we've got our guest presenter, Lynn Joffe, joining me on the line, who's the founder of a Creatrix Content Agency and author. And we're just getting to know Lynn a little bit better, finding out more about her story, her passions, her life. And of course, we've asked her to select some music as well as uh, some books that uh, she can share with us as to why they inspire her. Um, and she's been involved in a plethora of things uh, from writing and producing a whole array of uh, storytelling projects for radio, stage, television, and so the list goes on. And now Lynn is finding herself living out her best girl dreams. <laughs> <laughs> like, you've literally, not that you've not published before, because you have published before. Uh, but this now, the gospel according to Wanda B. Lazarus, 
is mm. your debut novel, full-scale novel. Well, you know, they, they say in, in certain Native American Indian cultures, 60 is the full age of fulfillment because you've been right, kind of right around the sun so many times. Mm. And I've always wondered if there's something wrong with me. <laughs> you know, why could I not have done my first novel at 30 years old? I couldn't. I had to live my life. I had to have my experience to draw on. Mm. And then, of course, my imagination, modicum of talent. So I went back. I think this is interesting for other listeners. I not went back. I had done a BA when I was like 12, you know, when I got married at yes. 20. And then life happened and the business happened and everything else. And I went back to Vips, or I attended Vips. I did an MA in, nine, in 2015. Mm. And that was, I needed the structure and discipline of the university and maybe a little bit of the cred. <laughs> and that's when I started writing. I wrote it as a fulfillment of an MA in creative writing. It took me five years. Mm. Um, took me two and a half years of varsity. Then it took two, another two years to turn it into a publishable novel. Mm. And so it was published. So the book was published at the end of last year inside COVID. So yeah. that's another whole story. <laughs> but um, and, and, and one of my candidates, my MA buds that, that I did the, the MA with, he said to me, you misspelt novel. And I said, what do you mean? He said, oh, Lynn, this is just a very outrageous memoir. And Interestingly enough, what it, <laughs> what it does do is it is a trajectory of, of a woman's journey. But um, when I started it, and just very quickly, when I began it, I was going to do memoir because mm. I've had a very interesting life, la, la, la. And then I had my, it was Me Too, it was in the middle of the Me Too stuff. Mm. And I had my Me Too moment when I was about 14, 15 years old with a youth leader from the youth group, etc. I won't go into detail, but I, um, there was a synagogue on Louis Botha Avenue called Temple Shalom. Mm-hmm. And I wrote the words... <laughs> He had me in the shadow of the temple. And then I looked at that line and I thought, what if it isn't Temple Shalom? What if it was the temple? What if I re-engineered the story to 33 AD? What if, in the whole of what ifs, what if, I, I wasn't quite sure who Wanda would be and Wanda ended up being the sister of Lazarus, you know, Lazarus yes. in the Bible who rose from the dead. Then I wanted to explore the whole immortality thing. So the, the, the story evolved out of my a combination, if you like, of my life experience the character who then took over everything, and and my imagination and a lot of research. So it's 2,000 years of history, which is really in a kind of a way the psychological individuation process, you know, coming of age mm. and coming and finding your voice. And then I found, if, if you look at the cover, there's a, a gypsy girl mosaic that comes from 200 AD that was found in Turkey. Mm. And, and the, 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 the modern um, remains of it she has no mouth. So it was found with the eyes and the eyes that follow you all over the room. It was a mosaic. Yeah. And because she didn't have a mouth, I thought, let me give Wanda a voice. And so in a way, Wanda de Lazarus is the character through which the story is told. And she can say a whole lot of, lot of things that I dare not say. <laughs> <laughs> um, following things like anti-Semitism, which is my own personal um, burden to bear being mm-hmm. the only Jewish kid in the whole of Scotland kind of thing and then coming here being told what I was mm. a woman a whitey a Jew I mean who knew all these things mm. so so in a way it's a, somebody called it a cosmic building for Roman which is a, a sort of coming of age story which sounds very pretentious but in a way I was I am I, am, I was a, an illiterate musician you yeah. had to watch. I mean, if you've ever been in a band with a bunch of boys, <laughs> you'll know what I'm talking about. Every woman on earth who's ever been in a band knows this feeling. Um, 
So I kind of drew on my musical experience, my life experience, my chutzpah, and then this character took over. Bridget, she, I, I, you know, I just took dictation as such, and then a hell of a lot of editing. So when you find it's almost when you find your joy, when you find your 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 direction, your bliss. I'm sure you know as a radio presenter yes. that in a way the universe, the universe, whichever you believe in, mm. opens up to to assist you, which is where the chutzpah comes in again. You can't wait for life to happen. Mm. You kind of have to make it happen. And mm. so, yeah, um, The Gospel According to Wanda B. Lazarus was published by Majaji Books. And my very exciting news, and you get, the, you get the skinny on this, I've just signed with an international publisher and Wanda's going global. Oh! And um, I'm, I, I don't even know. I have to sit down, actually. My legs have just started wobbling. <laughs> I don't know what it means. It's during COVID. It's got to move. It's, it's a universal story, you see. It isn't really about South Africa, but if you are a South African, you, you'll recognize, you know, the way, in, in fact, it goes back historically to the uh, Spanish Golden Age, where a lot of what they called converso Jews, in other mm-hmm. words, people who had to, they were converted or convert or die was basically the thing. Mm. And so while I was writing it, um, I was tapping into these unconscious processes. And then Ivan Vladislavich, who was one of my lecturers, said, oh, so you're writing a picaresque. And I said, am I? Okay. So I went and looked at what it was. And, and then I sort of followed the, the ancient idea of almost a pre-novel, and then it became a novel. So I, I kind of tapped into maybe the collective unconscious of my, of my unknown stuff mm-hmm. and then combined it with the known. So it's, 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 it, it can be read on a lot of different levels. It could just be a journey of, and she's accidentally cursed with immortality by Rob Yossi, who sort of has a vague resemblance to, to the Lord Jesus, <laughs> who I was accused of killing when I was six. Um, so it's, it's a romp through history, but it has a lot of kind of depth and, and um, you know, there's a lot of music in it. There's a lot of social criticism, but it's all very light. It's, it's hopefully it's funny. Hopefully it's laugh out loud funny. I've got to get you a book, Bridget. I'll get it to you tomorrow. From what you are describing to us, it's definitely laugh out loud funny. And in the back of my mind, I'm going, geez, I wonder, is exclusive books open? Because I clearly need to go get myself a copy. Um, But it sounds like such an incredible, colorful, wild, vivid tale. Um, I'm quoting you now, even if you haven't read it. And the lovely thing is, Bridget, and I have to tell you this because we are on radios, that all of the skills, and I want to say this to other women out there, you never know what you're doing until they kind of, it's almost like a rope that Mm. starts to weave itself. So I'm now voicing the audio book. And that is, you know, I mean, I've I've been doing voiceovers all my life. I've been in studios all my life. We've been replaced by somebody else. And now I can actually now I'm voicing the book, which will then come out in the global edition, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I am now Wanda, reading Wanda, with a bunch of accents, with yeah. a lot of political incorrectness. But it's almost like it wasn't a dream. I never said when I was thirty, oh, one day I'll write a book and, and verbalize it to the world. But I am, yeah. and that feels fantastic. Oh. It feels so fulfilling for me. I, I can die a happy woman just as, as soon as the final mix is done. I, then I can die. <laughs> Lynn, I think the world is not ready for you to die just yet. Um, <laughs> not just yet. And I'm wondering, before we, we actually go to your next uh, track, mm. I'm wondering, because now as you bring up, firstly, congratulations on the international distribution. That is a Thank big, you. big deal. 
And in the back of my mind, I'm going, we are onto something here. I'm seeing a Netflix special coming. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm seeing a series. <laughs> like, call them in. <laughs> no, they don't even need us. I think definitely Wanda and the Spirit of Wanda is going to bring them closer. So you just sweet. better get your directing team ready to go. Um, and, and I'm wondering, you know, uh, just quickly, how how does it feel when you have so you've lived with this character for five years you've, you've let her mm-hmm. consume your life and you've put her mm-hmm. on a, a piece of paper mm-hmm. turned her from mm-hmm. an academic paper into a full blown novel, and mm-hmm. here you are now in a recording studio voicing her that must mm-hmm. bring about a completely different experience and and a different kind of connection to her even for you. That's so, it's so, it's okay, on a very banal level, it's mm. the most intense proofread you'll ever do in your life, <laughs> which is, you know, because we're doing the international version, correcting tiny little things. It's like, yes. um, I'll give you an example. It, it goes through 11, it, it's very episodic, so it goes mm. through 11 chapters of history. So in one of the chapters, and each one has a musical instrument that she is sent, quite important to say. Every okay. time she dies, she goes into a sort of a netherworld, a magic realism space, which I call the Pleroma, mm. where the nine muses of antiquity, who nobody remembers, mm. are a bunch of basically mean girls. Mm-hmm. And they keep, it's a sort of a, almost a, a send-up of the Odyssey, where they keep sending, or, 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 or the tales of Hercules, where they send her back down to have this life experience. And in each one, they send her to bring an instrument or a note or a musical concept mm. that she doesn't really know because she's, she's kind of a an idiot savant in a little bit of, of, of life. Yeah. So every time she returns to the Pleroma, each chapter has a musical instrument that is kind of at the heart of what she, she wants to be the tenth muse. That's, uh-huh. her, that's her jaw. So if I want to be the tenth muse of myself, mm. I've now got to decide all the nine muses which I wrote in my head. Now, how does Cleo speak? Does she speak with a very British accent? Oh, Lord. The, the one who stutters, <laughs> does she have a little high voice? So I'm, in a sense, casting myself you know, I spoke about 100,000 headlines. I've yeah. written copies for the last 100 years. Now I've, I have to cast myself <laughs> into this book. And I don't know if you are aware of this, but Stephen Fry, the um, British comedian, has read the book and has loved the book. Uh-huh. And he has spoken about it as being um, what the world needs now, darling. <laughs> it's everything the world needs now. And so I'm kind of, I have this mentor who I've never met in person, who continues to encourage me. I have sent him one of the chapters. He's mm. a darling, darling, it's lovely. You know, you don't really need a honey elder actor like <laughs> me. I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> so so it's almost come from the, the resilience that is me. I, it, it takes months, Bridget. It's months and months of work. So I, I don't want to sound in, in any way vain because one is always a little bit insecure. Mm. But reading it again, and, I've, and, I, and my husband is a sound engineer, mm. who said, the only way I'm going to read this book, Lynn, is if you read it to me. So, <laughs> and then I keep going, is it funny? Is it funny? Is it funny? And he says, yes, Lynn, it's funny. Let's Aww. just get on with the work. So it's kind of, it's very grounding. It's very grounding. So the, 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 the excitement, oh my God, oh my God, student five, student five. Actually, it's like, get back in the studio. You read this word wrong. Um, <laughs> you know, how do you pronounce the, the Chinese caves? Yes. So it's, it's, it's for a, for a, a voice artist, I mean, as a voice artist, I've done many, many radio spots mm. and that children's stories. But this is kind of now, I know Wanda's voice. So it's interesting that the voice is the verbal voice, but the voice is also the voice must come off the page even if you've never heard her speak. Yes. Do you know what I mean? You're so at- it's a huge, 
And I couldn't have done it earlier. I couldn't have done it younger. I didn't have what they call a zoot flesh, which is the sitting flesh, Mm -hmm. to just sit down and do it. You know, FOMO has gone out the window. (laughs) I've, I've been sitting at my desk in a dark room. And in fact, COVID, ironically, has helped me because, you know, what else are you going to do when you're sitting alone watching Netflix? There you go. So, so it's, 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 a, it's a massive production process. But the, yes, I think that I think my, my, my self-respect has deepened because when you read it again, you think, did I write that? Gosh, that sounds good. You're <laughs> like, I'm, I'm kind of a big deal here, Lynn. I kind of know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and the other thing is I had to stand by it. So, when I when I finished the MA, yeah. the first half, my uh, somebody said to me, "What is your feminist positionality?" And I mm. went, "Oh, please, oh please, no." But actually, I had to. I then went and did this crash course in feminism: first mm. wave, second wave, third wave, and realized that I, I I have to stand by when you publish something out into the world. You have to stand by it. True. So if the rabbis are upset, which they very well might be, sorry for them. We'll have a discussion, and if. Some women, young, old, or men, Mm because there are a lot of men who adore her. And it's lovely when somebody starts to speak about your character as if she's real. Yes. You know, one did this and one did that. (laughs) I just sat there and took dictation, Brew. (laughs) (laughs) So So it's very exciting, yes. And, and And the audio is something, if I was with a normal kind of publishing situation, they would usually choose someone for you. Yes, yes. But I've got a bit of an entrepreneurial streak, as you might have guessed. Yes. So I'm doing things differently, but the industry is a very, at the moment, the publishing industry is in a state of shock because COVID has done so many, you know, it's almost like Kodak film. And what are you going to do? Are you going to invent digital (laughs) or are you just going to watch everything fade away? Lynn, your third song, um, which I'm not even going to try, attempt. Uh, I'm going to just let you introduce it. Oh, je ne regrette rien. There we go. Can I quickly tell you about Edith Piaf? Um, Edith Piaf, you've got to find her. Okay. But it's, non rien de rien, non je ne regrette rien, meaning I regret nothing. Oh. And, and the song speaks about, I am sitting here with my souvenirs of my life and my lovers, and non rien, de, it's almost like a, an anthem for everything you've done in your life. There's no such thing as you can fail and you can do wrong, but all of that. It sort of builds up to become the person that you are. Yes. So when you asked me, and I was I was going to do all sorts of classical music, which meh, yeah. was je ne regrette rien is for every woman out there, for every man out there to actually say I, I basically, and then it ends up with because my life, because I love you so much, and then it goes into a whole man thing, which just ignore that. But you know, it <laughs> begins with the love that I have for you, but actually it's never ever on my head. And self-love for women, you know, we're always loving others, we're always mm. supporting others. I think that it's so important, and not in a, in a vain way, mm. but just to actually have self-respect. So, And when you hear her voice, I, she, she has something unbelievable. I love it. Edith PF will come right back with that one. We're going to take a quick spot break, and then we come right back with I Regret Nothing. Oh, it's
it's the crescendo for me. Je ne regrette rien. Uh, Edith Piaf coming through, and that is the final song from our guest presenter, Lynn Joffe, who is the founder of uh, Creatrix Content Agency and author. And as uh, we begin to wind it down, Lynn, it's been such a great hour uh, and so short. I think I could sit at the at your feet forever in a day and just listen to you talk about your life, your adventures, your choices, your lessons, and everything in between. Um, but you've chosen some books that you wanted to highlight with us this uh, this morning. Uh, why these two particular titles? In and then say what, what what they call the literary antecedents. In other words, where did your influence come from? And mm. obviously, over the years, we read, read a lot of men, mm. but. Um, Erica Young Sasso's Leap has a very similar theme to mine. She was, in a sense, the original lesbian, if you want to call it that. Okay. And it starts off where she's on a cliff, about to jump off the cliff, and then the whole book sort of re-engineers how her life. She was a, a poet, mm. and she was amazing. And then the other one was, and I mean, I, I'm not trying to compare myself to anyone, but Virginia Woolf Orlando, mm. which was about a time-traveling character who changed sex. So she became a woman, then a man, then a woman, um, and, 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 and she used it to rail against how women have been treated, etc., but also in a very literary way. Mm. So Virginia Woolf's Orlando, and then I thought of making, I thought of turning one day into a man, into a woman, into a dog, you know, because she goes through different iterations, and it was so mm. confusing that I had to keep my character as a female, although she cross-dresses and she re-cross-dresses and she has affairs. There's a lot of sex in my book mm. because sex is kind of female agency and we're not also just sit there with our legs crossed. Yes. So I, I'm a little bit subjective at the moment when I say those are my two favorite books because they influence me so intensely and I say to everyone out there, read, 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 please read. I could never have written this book if I hadn't been a reader. Yes, so, yes. So the, these two and Erica Young and, and Virginia Woolf kind of were the two women that I, especially at being Women's Month, I couldn't have told you Philip Roth, you would have <laughs> nailed me. Um, but, but so, so the, and, and I mean, they're, they're quite old books, so they're not new. Mm. Um, but I, I think that books with female protagonists, I, I, I very much enjoy if they, if they can actually kind of, sort of transcend the fact that it's just not fair, it's not fair, I can't inherit my brother's castle. You know, and, and, and in a way, as both of us as feminists, I mean, I didn't realize that we had the odds stacked against us. Mm. I, my, my very first job, I was paid 25 rant a month less than my, my stupider, lazier art director. And I, I went to my creative director and said, am I earning less because I'm a woman? Mm. Just asking. And he said, oh, probably. And I went, okay, I'm resigning. Goodbye. Mm. <laughs> so I think that, that literature brings the themes out of our lives, even if it's a different culture, a different time. I, I love literature for that reason. So that's why I chose those two. And I'm not going to ask you, you know, what have you have have you been your biggest lessons in life? Because I feel like they they might be a bucket full of those ones. Uh, and we'll have, folk, to have a whole other session. Yeah, we'll have a whole nother session. But just as we we wrap it up, for for any woman out there uh, listening, whose imagination you've now captured, who's now googling your name and your life, who's thought to themselves, I found my mentor, and even though she does not know me you regret nothing at all absolutely nothing look i I, okay in in the tweet science 
space I have. Yes. I think that I've, I think one makes mistakes. I mm-hmm. think one treats. I've, I've often I've lived my life very much like a boy, mm-hmm. because in order to get through, you know, into boardrooms and air guitars and whatever, I've been very masculine. In my, a lot of people think that I'm either a sex change or a gay chick, mm. which I don't mind being, in fact, being called queer. I've always been quite queer. Yeah. But I think that in, in, in going through my life and realizing I've hurt people, I've made mistakes. But, they, but in learning from the mistakes, then you have to make the mistake in order to learn from the mistakes. So go out and do it and then have a consciousness. And, mm. and, and so I've done a lot of therapy. Um, mm. I, I still speak to, and I often say to my therapist, can I go now? Yes. <laughs> can I cure? <laughs> um, but, but, but by using one's, um, the, the dark side, the shadow side, the light side, then you can actually kind of create, in fact, the picara on whom wonder is based is almost like they call it in, in literature tapestry. Mm. It's all of the different colors that you create your tapestry. And then there's the white, if you like, if you, or, or the dark, but in this case, the light that pops the colors, if yes. you want to call it that. And, and so I, I would like to say that I think that I've popped myself. But yeah, there are regrets and there are, you know, a, a thing of, you know, fessing up and apologizing, forgiving my father, even though he's now passed, forgiving myself for expecting him to be this great creative genius, which he wasn't. So, so I think that consciousness is part of the not regretting. Awesome. Because I've done a few things in my time. Lynn <laughs> Joffe, thank you so, thank much, you so for, much for taking the time. It's been I'm going to speak to Zion. I'm going to send you a book. You'll get it by tomorrow. Oh, thank you. We appreciate that. Wait. Thank you so much. Lovely. Thank you. Awesome. Let's get straight to it, to our winner as we wrap up the show. Dion out in South Coast. Congratulations. Thanks so much. It's, what a surprise. It's only but a pleasure. Congratulations to you. You are walking away a winner of our 1,000 Rand voucher in celebration of our 85th birthday. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Whereabouts specifically in the South Coast are you? I'm at a little place called Arniston, Patricia. Oh, Arniston. Lovely, yes. lovely, lovely, you know lovely. Where it is. I do, actually. I spent a few years out in the South Coast. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Yes, yes. You must have a fantastic Sunday and please enjoy the voucher. Spoil yourself. It's all on us. Thank you so much, Patricia. And you have a wonderful day. I love your show. Thank oh, you. Thank you. It is 10 o'clock. It's time for me to get out of here. Hamutsu is standing by to keep you company for the rest of the afternoon or rather the morning. Amanda is bringing you a 10 o'clock update. God willing, inshallah, we get to do it again.